Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Tuesday in beautiful Las Vegas, about 70 degrees, blue skies, no wind, um, just a great spring uh, day. Spring is, uh, is, is is upon us, basically, here in Las Vegas. I know the heat's going to be right around the corner, uh, but it's nice uh, when it's this kind of weather. Uh, it really just kind of... Um, get you going, uh, no doubt about it. And the blue skies, uh, that's one thing about Las Vegas, I'll tell you this, that, there's blue, beautiful skies almost year-round, uh, and it's good for the soul. Uh, you're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, obviously, um, I don't know if you were checking on Twitter today or uh, happened to hear uh, any uh, of the news coming out of uh, Henderson. Number one, uh, the Raiders are bringing back uh, Kendall Vickers, the defensive tackle uh, that played pretty well, reasonably well for them uh, last year in uh, some short stints. Uh, somebody that uh, showed uh, uh, the ability to get to the quarterback, had a couple of sacks, uh, was coming along uh, in the run game. Just a nice rotational uh, player that sort of came out of nowhere uh, out of Tennessee. Um, but uh, showed that he can play at this level. And uh, as a young player, not a star player, obviously, but but somebody that uh, can be uh, competing for playoff playing time, uh, can uh, compete for uh, a, a role position um, along the uh, along the defensive front. So he's going to come back. They signed him to a one-year contract. Uh, he'll be back, obviously, uh, last week. Uh, the Raiders signed David Irving. Uh, another rotational piece, um, you know, he can play inside, can play outside. Uh, so work is already being done along the defensive line to at least bring some uh, players back. You know, David Irving, we really didn't get a good chance uh, to look at him. Uh, a guy that hadn't played football basically for two years uh, jumps on board in October. Uh, it was just a little bit too much for him to bite off in terms of getting the body right, getting uh, acclimated, uh, getting to a point where he could get on the field consistently. There were some injuries, uh, but he showed the Raiders enough uh, in his time here, uh, albeit you know, more behind the scenes than anything else. And certainly the Raiders made a favorable impression on David Irving uh, because he was quick uh, to resign uh, in order to come back and, and compete for a job on the 53-man roster. So things are kind of coming along along the defensive line. We'll see what happens with Tack McKinley, uh, who will be a free agent. Uh, we'll see um, what it means for Vic Beasley, who is also set to become a free agent. I know the Raiders uh, are, are uh, hoping to, um, you know, bring those guys back or, or that's, you know, something that's at least on their radar right now uh, as they try to figure out a way uh, to create pass rush. Uh, it was a, a real bugaboo for them last year. Uh, the inability to, to get to the quarterback, the inability to create enough pressure on quarterbacks. Um, and it really all starts there, especially in Gus Bradley's defense, uh, the new defensive coordinator. He is somebody that really likes to, um, use his front four um, to get to the quarterback and then drop seven players back. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, blitz a whole lot. Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, he wants to be able to get pressure uh, along the front four from the front four uh, and then drop seven players back in, in pass coverage uh, more often than not. Um, and, you know, don't mistake it. Like they're real, you know, predictable or they do the same thing over and over again. 
Uh, if you look at tape of Gus Bradley's defenses over the years, they're very multiple in how they line up. Uh, sometimes it's three guys in a, in a, in a, uh, with their hand in the grass. Sometimes uh, it's four. Sometimes uh, somebody's standing up. Sometimes two guys are standing up. So he does a whole bunch of different things, and there's a bunch of different stunts and front looks and um, you know how guys are, are lined up. But the bottom line is he wants to create a pass rush by four, with four players. And that allows him to then drop seven others back in pass coverage uh, and, and, and blanket things. That's just in the pass game. There's also now you have uh, seven other defenders that are going to be able to come up and, and help against the run uh, as well. So Kendall Vickers back in the fold. David Irving back in the fold. That was about a week or so ago. Uh, so things are, are taking a little bit of shape along the defensive line, but a lot of work to go. We're in March, March 2nd. Free agency is right around the corner. Can't wait. Um, just a couple of weeks, really, uh, before things start uh, flying um, and, and really in a big major way as far as what the Raiders and everyone else are going to do in terms of reshaping this roster or retooling this roster. We've talked about it a lot. The Raiders need to get it straightened out on defense. Uh, the, the level of play offensively last year uh, was more than enough to make the playoffs. Um more than enough. It just, you know, you, you can't, they scored the 10th most points in the NFL. Every team ahead of them made the playoffs. Um, so there's no excuse in, in terms of, uh, you know, you, you can't sit here and say, well, this, this offense and Derek Carr uh, weren't good enough uh, to make the playoffs offensively because they were. And every statistical, uh, um, you know, metric and measure proves that out just simply by looking at, what the teams above them did in terms of scoring. Every team, or the nine teams ahead of them that scored more points than they did, made the playoffs. And a couple teams that scored a f fewer points than them made the playoffs. Uh, so um, this is a, a, a team that needs help defensively. A lot of it's going to come from players that are currently on the roster. Uh, there's a reason Damon Arnett, Trayvon Mullen, uh, Cleve Farrell, Max Crosby, uh, Jonathan Abram, players like this, uh, were were highly thought of coming out of college. They were highly ranked players, uh, and in many of those cases, first and second round draft picks. So uh, there's a reason for that. They've got talent. They've got promise. They've got potential, and um, you know. And, and I think there's a there's a feeling inside the Raiders uh, building in Henderson that these players are ready to to make a move. Um, in the right direction. Uh, it was a tough year last year. There's no question about it. We've gone through all the reasons why um, um, that w that might have been. Uh, I don't think there's any um, confusion about how the lack of an offseason last year really hurt this defense in particular because it was so young and there were uh, you know seven new starters uh, that they were trying to get into the in, into the lineup. Uh, Without an offseason, without OTAs, without mini camps, without being able to get into the building, uh, without being able to to bring you know develop chemistry and timing and confidence in each other and trust in each other uh, defensively, it was bound to be a problem. And then on top of that, COVID nineteen, uh, time and time again, reared its ugly head with this young defense. Players were in and out of the lineup. Players weren't able to to practice during the week sometimes uh, and had to show up on Sunday to play. Uh, it, it, it just was a, 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 a um, 
a, just a bad situation for a young defense. And that's not an excuse. That's the reality of the situation. But that doesn't mean that this, uh, that this defense doesn't have potential, doesn't have promise, uh, because it does. And I think that Gus Bradley and the staff that he's bringing in uh, is going to be a, a, a tremendous asset for this young defense. I think free agency is going to uh, yield uh, some, some new faces that are going to be able to help immediately. And I think the draft, uh, when you start, as this draft begins to shape up, you know, you're looking at some players there at number 17 that have a potential uh, to come in and be day one uh, starters. And if not, or, or I shouldn't say that, but uh, there's also using that number one pick to trade, to go get an established player. Um, look what the Buffalo Bills did with Stephon Diggs. Look what the, the Seattle Seahawks did to go get uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the, the safety from the New York uh, Jets. Look at what... Um, the Indianapolis Colts did uh, trading in their first round pick for DeForest Bruckner for the San Francisco 49ers, a huge difference maker along their uh, defensive line. And of course, the safety I was talking about was um, Adams, Jamal Adams from the New York Jets, um, who cost the you know, Seahawks a couple of first round picks, but he helped. Uh, that defense got better as the year went on. And, you know, the Seattle Seahawks were a playoff team. So could the Raiders use the 17th pick uh, in the draft? Uh, to go get some defensive help, uh, a veteran player. Uh, and that's in addition to what I expect them to be doing in free agency. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, all that. But obviously, um, you know, there was some, some news that broke today. Uh, not so much, uh, it wasn't so much a breaking story. Uh, but what it was, was, look, we've all, you know, over the last week or so with Russell Wilson indicating that he wouldn't mind playing for the Raiders. He'd waive his no trade clause uh, to come to here to Las Vegas. The constant talk about, um, you know, uh, will Derek Carr be here? Is he going to get traded? Uh, this is going on now for, for, you know, since John Gruden got here, basically. Is Derek Carr going to be his guy? Uh, are the Raiders going to trade him? Last year, uh, Tom Brady was a free agent, and there was all talk, you know, uh, indicating that maybe the Raiders would be interested in signing Tom Brady. Uh, now you hear, you know, uh, could they make a run at Deshaun Watson if he was truly available? Russell Wilson wants to come here to Las Vegas uh, and said so through his agent to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, would the Raiders be interested? And while that makes for, you know, headlines and news and clicks and all that type of uh, stuff, um, there's an underlying uh, implication through all of that, uh, and that is that Derek Carr, the incumbent quarterback, uh, isn't, quote-unquote, the guy. He's always perpetually on his way out of town, or so it would seem if you... Uh, you know, read some of these stories or hear what a Russell Wilson has to say or um, uh, the, the national perception that, that John Gruden is, is, uh, is always on the lookout for Derek Carr's replacement. Um, it just, you know, day after day almost, week after week, uh, there's, there's, you know, a new kind of storyline about uh, who the Raiders quarterback is going to be and Derek Carr uh, might be on his, on, on his way out. Well, first of all, uh, and I'll get to what the story was today. Uh, four years into John Gruden's tenure here, uh, and that means, let's see, how many, there's been three drafts, there's been three free agency periods, uh, there's been um, offers that have been made uh, for Derek Carr by other teams to trade for Derek Carr. Um, and so if this whole notion is that John Gruden is itching to move on from uh, Derek Carr, 
My question is, well, then why hasn't he moved on from Derek Carr? I'm an action speaks louder than words type of a guy. Uh, Derek Carr is still here, and that's in spite of a purge of this roster since John Gruden um, uh, arrived here. The one guy that everyone thought was the first guy to be out of uh, that, that was going to hit the uh, you know uh, hit the exit door is still here, and there's a reason for that. He's a good quarterback, and John Gruden understands that, and the Raiders know that. And year after year, uh, with with John Gruden and Derek Carr, it's gotten better and better. And better. And last year uh, was the best year for Derek Carr in his career, and certainly over the last three years uh, with John Gruden. Uh, Third straight year where he passed for more than 4,000 yards. Um, Statistically uh, broke down as a top 10 uh, NFL quarterback, overseeing an offense that scored the 10th most points in the NFL. That's playoff caliber quarterbacking, that's playoff caliber offense. So Derek Carr is still here, and he's not going anywhere. And what happened today was one of his teammates, kind of tired of all the stories, uh, all the speculation, all the talk uh, about you know Derek Carr, quote-unquote, not being the guy and being on his way out the door over and over again, according to you know whether it's nationally or here locally in Las Vegas, uh, or Russell Wilson kind of, uh, you know, um, sort of trying to bogart his way maybe to Las Vegas. Uh, and, and Alec Ingold, the Raiders' uh, soon-to-be third-year fullback, decided enough is enough, um, and he wanted to get something off his chest. And and uh, and so I spoke to, to Alec Ingold. I talked about it yesterday. Um, and Alec Ingold was basically, um, we have a quarterback here in Las Vegas, and he's a really good one, and his name is Derek Carr, and there's full confidence um, in this locker room that um, uh, that that he is the guy that not only that that he could get us to the Super Bowl, um, and he's basically tired of it. Alec uh, is tired of all the talk, and I think that he speaks for some of his teammates, probably many of them, that are just tired of all the speculation about their quarterback and what the message that he wanted to get across. And Alec is going to come on at four thirty to talk about it. Is the Raiders have a quarterback, and not only do they have a quarterback, they have a quarterback that within that locker room, uh, there is a belief that he is good enough, uh, Derek Carr is, to get the Raiders to where they want to get to. Uh, and as Alec told me, and it was expressed in the story, uh, he felt the Raiders were about three plays away uh, from being an 11-5 team. Um, I don't think he's speaking out of school whatsoever. You look at that record, you look at three times uh, over the second half of the season, where the Raiders' offense left the field late, 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 late in games with the lead, handed the leads over to their defense, and three times, once against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, once against the Los Angeles Chargers, and then again against the Miami Dolphins, uh, where the defense just couldn't get it done when it needed to get done, and as a result, leads evaporated uh, over the last minute or so of games, and wins uh, that should have been wins, games that should have been wins turned into losses. As a result, the Raiders were 8-8 eight and eight rather than 11-5, and five. and as, as, uh, as Alec told me, and it's in the story, had we made plays, and he was very... Uh, adamant that none of that falls under uh, on, on Derek Carr's shoulders. He played winning football throughout the season, uh, and in particular those three games. And his point was, if we make those plays, and not to point anybody's any fingers, nobody's doing that. There's nothing like that going on. It is what it is. They didn't make the plays to win games. They didn't get the stops to win games. But had they, and had they finished eleven and five, what Derek, what, what Alec Ingold, um, his point is, what would be the narrative of Derek Carr then? He'd be a playoff quarterback. He'd be eleven and five, and the whole conversation changes. We're going to talk to Alec 
uh, at 4.30. He's been uh, um, you know, nice enough to say, hey, look, uh, I put it out there in print. Uh, now I want to come on and talk about it. And he's going to take calls uh, from the fans. So uh, at 4.30, start calling in. And in the meantime, we're going to go out to the Greater Nation caller line uh, because Robert is on the line. He wants to talk about the draft. How you doing, Robert? Uh, pretty good, Vinny. I'm sitting here watching the NFL Network. Uh, can you please, uh, in your opinion, do the Raiders need more of a defensive tackle and edge rusher? And can you tell me what you think the difference is between the tackle from Washington and one from Baltimore, the one they say from Washington, at least from uh, BJ's top 50 is going in the top 20, and one from Washington's, or excuse me, from Alabama's 41. Uh, I think defensive tackle is the biggest need. Where, where are you on that between the two of them? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's a toss-up. I think they need help at both at, at both positions. Um, I'm bullish on Cleve Farrell. I think he's going to be a um, uh, kind of a cornerstone along the defensive line. Uh, and by the way, I, I, uh, just to throw this out there, when I was talking to Alec uh, yesterday, he talked about Cleve Farrell, and you know, Cleve Farrell is a guy that. Obviously, the Raiders' offense. When you practice, they have to go against you know first team offense practices uh, against the first team defense. And Alex said, "This dude is literally unblockable. He is a force and a beast, and he's only getting better." And I try to stress to Raider fr- fans how good of a year Clee Farrell actually had last year, statistically, uh, measurably by the metrics, by the grading system. Uh, Cleve Farrell is fine and is going to be fine and is going to be a part of that foundation along the defensive line. But that doesn't mean that they don't need help elsewhere, and they do. And if you're asking me which, uh, whether it's in, you know, interior or on the outside, what do they need more? I think it's both. And I, but I think that there's a means in order to to be able to um, uh, f- get that fixed and get that addressed through free agency and the draft. So. Um, uh, you know, I've I've thrown the name out there, and and from what I understand, uh, I think the Raiders uh, have some interest, um, and he, he he would definitely fit uh, into their system, uh, and and that's Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, the young defensive tackle uh, from the New York Giants, kind of a space eating, run stopping, wall building defensive tackle that's going to play. Um, you know, he's been healthy, uh, he stays healthy, and he stays on the field. If you can, uh, as the Raiders go out and get him. Um, you know, and maybe also in free agency uh, or the draft. Um, you know, you, you hear the names like you know Yannick Ngagwe. Um, he's a guy that um, you know uh, fits into what the Raiders do uh, and what the Raiders need as a defensive end, a pass rusher uh, off the edge. And then you know, if you're able to do that, if you're able to get an established veteran as a defensive end to play opposite Cleve Farrell. Uh, and then get a, uh, a you know a, a Dalvin Tomlinson uh, type of a guy um, on the interior. Now you're you're you know, you strengthen your starting fr- uh, front four, but you've also strengthened the bench because now a guy like Max Crosby uh, can slide back into a a role where he's coming off the bench, maybe a situational pass rusher um, that that is able to 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 generate heat off the bench. Uh, I'm not saying that Max Crosby can't be an everyday. A defensive end. Um, he's a young enough player where there's still upside and potential, but maybe he is better suited, um, you know, in, in a rotation. And that's not that. That's not a knock on him. There's plenty of good 
players uh, in the NFL that play a role. Uh, they may not necessarily start, but that doesn't mean they can't have an impact and they can't be good, productive players. So maybe that's the case. So I think the interior of the defensive line um, is is a, a must. I think pass rush uh, off the edge is a must. And I think free safety uh, is a must. I think those three positions have got to be priorities uh, for the Raiders. And, you know, I'm not giving away any secrets here. Uh, I don't think there's any question. If you look at the Raiders' defense, those three areas uh, were a big problem last year. Being able to create pressure um, off the edge consistently, uh, being able to stop the run uh, in the interior and also create a pass rush uh, in the interior. Uh, and then uh, a leader of the defensive backfield, uh, especially at free safety, uh, that gives coverage to young cornerbacks like Damon Arnett uh, and Trayvon Mullen, uh, allows uh, Jonathan Abram uh, to kind of be the, that Swiss, Swiss army knife type of a player that he is that you can kind of line up all over the field and use in a way that really accentuates uh, his talent because he does have talent. Um, there's work that needs to be done, obviously, with Jonathan Abram, but I think if you free him up and allow him to play the kind of position that he excels at, uh, in a role that's defined uh, to him by by Gus Bradley, I think a guy like Dam or uh, a guy like Jonathan Abram turns into a different player, and the player that the Raiders uh, believed they were drafting when they when they did draft him in the first round in 2019. So so yeah, um, and 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 it's a good question, and I know that there's limited resources that they're going to have in terms of spending uh, power. Uh, in free agency, so you have to prioritize. Uh, you know, in in what direction you you take and who you prioritize. Uh, as far as that top tier free agent group, um, I think the Raiders, after it's all said and done, should have, you know, twenty five, thirty million dollars. We'll see uh, under the cap. A lot of that depends on you know restructuring current contracts, uh, walking away from players, um, you know, uh, as cap casualties uh, to create the necessary space to be. Um, you know, uh, active in free agency. But if they can, through the draft, be able to come up with starters and, you know, it's not just a body out there, but like improved improvement, improved starters uh, on, on as a perimeter pass rusher, an interior uh, uh, defender, and then free safety, I think that they'll uh, be in business. As far as, you know, linebacker, obviously, uh, Nicholas Morrow becomes a free agent. Uh, Corey Littleton needs a bounce. Obviously, needs a bounce back year after kind of falling into the abyss uh, in his first year with the Raiders. I expect uh, Corey Littleton to be more like the Corey Littleton that was in Los Angeles the, the previous two or three years, rather than um, uh, the player that we saw struggle uh, to get it kind of figured out with the Raiders last year. I think he'll settle down, and if that's the case. Uh, if Corey Littleton is more the Rams' Corey Littleton than the 2020 Raiders' Corey Littleton, well, that's like getting a new player altogether. That's like another new free agent signing because the Corey Littleton that we saw last year, and we've talked about this, um, isn't uh, it, it, it isn't you know the Corey Littleton um, that uh, that we saw last year at all. Uh, but that's, you know, we shouldn't make the mistake. I'm not going to make the mistake of thinking that the, that's the end of the line of Corey Littleton. I've seen too much good football uh, from Corey Littleton um, uh, to say that he can't get back to that level. He can. Uh, now, maybe the, the new coach um, with Gus Bradley and what his system is, I think he is, a, I think Corey Littleton is a perfect uh, fit um, for what, 
for what Gus Bradley is doing. Um, so maybe that's going to help. Hopefully that's going to help. Uh, but if it does, uh, all of a sudden that defense changes. If you're able to address those three positions that we talked about, if Corey Littleton can get back to being Corey Littleton, um, I think this Raider defense has a chance to take a big step forward. And I uh, am fascinated. <laughs> I can't wait, really, uh, until training camp opens up, really, hopefully, if there's some mini camp, to kind of see it all out on the field and what it looks like and what some of these young players look like going from rookies and second-year players uh, to second- and third-year players. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on all that. When we get back, Alec Ingold will join us. Uh, to talk about his comments today in support of Derek Carr and to basically tell everybody else, you know what? Enough is enough. We got our quarterback. He's Derek Carr. And in Alec Ingold's own words, there's belief in that Raider locker room that Derek Carr can get them to the Super Bowl. And that, those aren't just words. That's like him getting that off of his chest. He really wanted to convey that message. Uh, you're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. And a beautiful Tuesday it is uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, none of that heat yet, although it's coming. We know it's coming. We're going to brace for it. Uh, after experiencing my first year of uh, of Las Vegas heat, I'm, I'm I'm ready for it, and it can't be any worse than it was last year. Everyone here tells me I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or if they're just trying to brace me for how bad it's going to be year after year. But they said last year uh, that it was like a record breaking type of heat, so uh, I'm 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 rolling with that, and I'm hoping that that is the case because it was hot, 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 hot last year. But we all got through it, and uh, looking forward to some warmer weather after a chilly. Winter and it looks like the uh, the heat is is definitely coming. Uh, we're going to go immediately go out uh, to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in uh, Raiders fullback Alec Ingold. Um, and Alec, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to try to put any words uh, in his mouth, but I, I, I sense that Alec wanted to get something off his chest after this latest round of uh, you know uh, Raider quarterback talk, um, and the latest being Russell Wilson, who through his agent. Uh, confirmed to ESPN that that uh, Russell Wilson, while he's not demanding a trade from the Seattle Seahawks, uh, if it were to go down that road, um, he'd waive his no-trade clause for four teams, one of those being uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And look, look, anytime a quarterback like Russell Wilson says he wants to come play for your team, um, you know, in a, that's a compliment in a way, um, no question about it. But at the same time, there's this underlying... Um, feeling that uh, or implication that that means that Derek Carr isn't the guy and uh, and that's kind of like this constant thing uh, that that uh, that the every time you look up there's some kind of speculation about Derek Carr about his future here with the Raiders and that he's always perpetually on his way out of town and, and I think Alec wanted to say hey look uh, the Raiders have a quarterback. His name is Derek Carr. Um, he was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL last year, overseeing a t team that scored the 10th most points in the NFL. And in that Raider locker room, uh, there's a belief and a confidence that Derek Carr is the guy. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, Alec to talk about uh, what he talked about in the uh, in the story today. Alec, how are you doing, man? 
Vinny, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, just sitting out here in my little townhouse in Vegas trying to, you know, I can't wait for the heat. I really liked it uh, oh. last summer. So I'm excited for it. 115 degrees, you know, I, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not ready for the 115, but I will say this. And I remember talking to you about this last year at some point during that sweltering summer. But I remember um, because last year was my first year in the summer heat, too. You're from Michigan. I'm from Cal- – or not Michigan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you're from Wisconsin. That is just terrible on my part. But you're from Wisconsin, not Michigan, and uh, you know from California. So that 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 kind of that desert heat was a new thing for both of us. I know you dealt with in Wisconsin, um, you know some of the humidity. Uh, there's none of that in California. But nevertheless, when you go through 115 for like two, three straight days, as we often did last year. When it would get down to 101, it felt great. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm yeah, thinking to myself, it's 101, and I'm feeling fantastic right now. Did you experience that as well? Did you kind of get that feeling a little bit too? 100%. I mean, we were running around in uh, different parks last summer. You know, we had to move around as soon as someone found out which park we were at at what time. Uh, we, I had we nothing had to, to do with that. Yeah, we had, we had to change up the times. We had to change up the parks. So we, we found out, we had to learn that, Throwing outside at 115 was not the smartest move, especially when there's no shade out here in the desert. So uh, we had to move it up earlier, stay later, whatever it was. So <clears throat> it definitely had to make that work and make those adjustments uh, very apparent. Before we get into um, uh, what we're, you know, uh, the, the whole the Derek Carr story and, and the support that you showed for, for Derek and the confidence that you expressed in him, um, have you heard anything yet as far as – because I know last year you guys were sneaking around at parks – uh, trying to get some work in. And really, the reason for that was there were no OTAs. There, you weren't allowed in the building, for crying out loud, uh, <laughs> last year during during uh, the spring. Um, let's hope that that isn't the case where you guys have to keep doing that again this year. But are you hearing anything along those lines of what it might look like as far as the offseason? No, I think um, I definitely think the union and the league are going to start negotiations on that soon. And I think they're just trying to get a feel for what the players want, what the owners want, what the teams want. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's definitely going to be a lot more collaboration and understanding that, you know, that we've been living this life for a year now with, um, you know, COVID and social distancing and stuff. So we'll find the best answer as, you know, a collective here pretty soon. And I'm sure everyone will get on the same page in about a week. You'll probably be breaking the news in no time. (laughs) Well, and uh, thank you. Um, part of that is like, like I could understand like a, because I've heard this before, a 10-year veteran, an 8-year veteran, um, probably along the lines of, I don't really need OTAs. Like, I saw Aaron Donald uh, skip OTAs and training camp two straight years and win NFL Defensive Player of the Year. But He showed up the day of the, not the day of, but like the week of the first game of the year and just rolled out of bed and just said, okay, I'm going to dominate the NFL. There's guys that can do that, and there's veterans that, that can do that, where maybe OTAs and minicamps aren't all that important. And they would probably prefer, hey, uh, I don't mind not having to, to, to go to OTAs and that, that type of thing. But you, as a, as, as a young player, playing on a young team, too, it's always important to remind people that how young the Raiders team is. What would you prefer? Do you want a regular offseason uh, to get back into the building and get this thing restarted uh, in the way it normally does? A hundred percent. I mean, I think that's you know the goal here, obviously, is to get better. And I I know I am not like Aaron Donald. I need every single practice I could possibly get to try and get better. So, um, you know, it's a long road for, you know, where I'm trying to get individually. I would love, you know, OTAs, getting to work, talking to coaches, being able to carve out different roles. 
Um, just, you know, the whole work ethic thing, maybe, uh, getting some more gains in that aspect. And then, you know, as, as you said, the team, you know, obviously we need to address some things in, in the, you know, the off season and get those goals right. And obviously having guys, everyone here, everyone on the same page, everyone, I mean, that, that can only help. Right. And, you know, you hope that we find the best way to do that possible. Cause last year during zoom meetings, it was, I mean, it was tough. You don't get to see the guys every day and there's excitement when you're around one another, you know what I'm saying? And we just definitely did not get that over, uh, you know, computer screens. And I think everyone listening can agree with that. Like work is just not the same (laughs) right now. It's not. And, and as much as, you know, look, look, you know, can every worker, can everybody who works in an office or wherever your work situation is say you like everybody that you work with? No. Uh, after at the beginning was was there some oh, man the fact that I don't have to deal with that idiot every day you know I'm I'm kind of cool with that but after a while it becomes I I miss the human interaction I miss that like you said there's an energy um, that 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 happens when you're around people that are uh, you know the similar goals uh, everyone kind of rowing in the same direction pushing each other uh, and working toward a common goal there's something that's, that's missing when you're when you're expressing that. Uh, on Zoom, so uh, I'm hoping that everything gets back to normal for you guys, and I think it's important. Um, uh, we mentioned how young the Raider, this Raiders team is, specifically on defense. I think it it would it would help a lot, especially with the new coaching staff over on that side of the ball, to get everybody uh, into the building as quickly as possible and as consistently as possible uh, to help that along. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but first and foremost, uh, obviously there was a story uh, that Alec was a part of, um, uh, and. As I alluded to, it, it, it related to Derek Carr, and it related to this constant chatter, talk, whatever it is uh, that you want to call it, um, that the, the underlying sort of implication is that Derek Carr isn't the guy, and um, he's perpetually on his way out of town. And uh, Alec, I think, felt like it's time for somebody to step up and, and set the record straight. Why was it important for you uh, uh, to be that person and to say what you said? Uh, I mean, I think Derek leads by example, right? And, you know, vocally he has his moments where everyone knows when he's talking, everyone's listening. So, um, you know, there, there's some some aspect of being, you know, I don't know, polite or uh, politically correct. And I don't really, you know, I, I haven't been around the league very long, right? I haven't been a Raider for more than a couple of years now. But at the same time, I um, you, you do realize that some guys are doing things the right way. And... You know, walking in that rookie year and sitting down as an undrafted cat, you have these doubts and you have these, you know, misconceptions. I'm like, wow, man, you know, you have those thoughts like, am I going to make this team? Am I going to be in the NFL? Am I going to be a fullback? You know, you have those self-doubts. But then, you know, Derek was one of the first guys that got up and spoke in front of all the rookies. And, you know, talk, him talking and, and leading in that direction, I was ready to run through a brick wall for the organization, for him, for Josh sitting right next to me. Like, you know, I was ready to go. And from that day forward, you know, he's the first one in the building every single day. He works his tail off and, you know, you, I, I get to speak from personal benefit, right? There, there's something that I get to see every single day. I get to see how he comes to work. I get to see how he leads in a huddle. I get to see all of those things, right? And off season when OTAs are, are out, how he's able to still get working and bring guys around him. And it's tough for me to keep, you know, seeing other media outlets and everyone kind of disrespecting our guy, you know, he's, he's there with us and he's, he's leading the way. And 
you know, that's a guy that you go to bat for. So, you know, he commands the huddle. He gets us in the right position at the right time. And we love playing football with Derek Carr. And I love, I smile at him every single day when I walk up, you know, I'm trying to get there five, five thirty. He's, he's there five fifteen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, man, I thought I'd get him this time. Nope. He was there. He's in the tubs already. He's watching his fourth game of film already, you know, and, and it's something that, you know, I've always taken pride in working hard, showing up early and it didn't seem to matter how early I'd show up. He'd be there first. Right. And, um, I, it just, it's tough to kind of sit by and, and see that, you know, everyone gets excited about bringing somebody in or changing everything up. And it's like, there's so many guys like that showing up two, three hours before meetings, uh, every single morning in a global pandemic moving across, uh, you know, not across the country, but different States, you know, and seeing guys come around that adversity in our locker room and, you know, whether we're young or not, or whether we're banged up or injured or whatever excuse anyone wants to give anybody, like guys worked and there's a sense of accountability in this locker room. And, you know, I think that we talked about that earlier, like there's a lot of guys that, you know, when things are going bad, when we're sliding, you know, people pick up the mirror, they don't point fingers. You know, there's a sense of accountability, like, you know, whether it's someone's fault or not, you know, you, you figure out how you can be better every single day. And there's so many guys, there's so many examples of that in our locker room that it hurts every single time you see guys disrespected. And, you know, I know there's not, you're not supposed to have feelings about that. Like, you know, it is what it is, but at some point it's like, there's some guys that love to work in this building. There's some guys that love to play football in this building. And you just want those guys to be respected. You want those guys to have, you know, (laughs) I get tired of, you know, reading articles about, guys that aren't making it um or on their way out and especially Derek Carr you know I think he's the figurehead of a lot of emotions and a lot of stories but you know he's our guy and it's exciting to play ball with that guy and not only that um you know it, it obviously it's natural that a, a teammate's gonna gonna stand up for a, oh. a, another teammate um having said that it isn't always the case there's like like you didn't have to. You didn't have to step up and 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 say what you said about about Derek Carr, um, but you did because I believe that you believe that, and that isn't always, like. There's times where, um, as a professional athlete, you kind of know, like you know, like uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like the, is this the guy that really is going to get us to where we're, where we want to get to? I've seen that, and I don't get the sense uh, in in the Raiders locker room that there's any. Um, not even an ounce of no. Uh, Derek Carr can't get us to where we want to get to. It's the complete opposite, and um, y- you know. So, so for you to stand up and, and say that, uh, I tip my cap because uh, I think that you're speaking from the heart. Not only from the heart, but you're, you're speaking from you understand what it takes. You've you know uh, uh, for for a quarterback and what it takes from that quarterback to get you where you want to get to. And I and I believe you when you say that you believe that Derek Carr. Uh, can get you to the Super Bowl. You you mentioned a couple things uh, there. Uh, him being a leader, uh, and I have a couple questions uh, in regards to that. Um, you know, I, this year in particular, I'm not a football expert, uh, but this year in particular, with with no fans in the stands, you get to hear things that are happening on the field. Uh, and and one of the you know, there's there's always that game manager that gets thrown around to certain quarterbacks. Uh, and I think you know uh, Derek Carr, Carr has probably caught that bug a little bit uh, as as a narrative. 
but all I know is, like, when I was at games this year, and I traveled with you guys, and I, and I, I could hear things, and from what I could see and hear, uh, Derek Carr wasn't the kind of quarterback that just got a play from the sideline and executed the play. Sometimes you do. Sometimes everything lines up, and the play that gets called is the play that you run at the line of scrimmage. But what I saw a lot of times, uh, and this is just my perception, I need you to back it up or maybe just shoot holes in it. You're on the field. You hear it. You see it. You know it. But there were times where he's changing things at the line of scrimmage, getting you guys into the uh, right look against the certain defense that that, that you're facing. Uh, am I out of school for, for saying that? Because I felt like that's what he was doing and commanding the line of scrimmage. That's not a robot. That's not a game manager. That's somebody that's kind of an extension now of the coach and making things happen at those critical moments along the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's so smart, man. Like he's, The amount of film he watches and the understanding of coverages is unbelievable. So, you know, when I'm on the field, it's, it's a run play, right? Or it's a play action or it's, it's a short intermediate route. So, you know, you're able to you know, line up and the consistency and the tempo, you, you understand what's going to be said, when it's going to be said, how it's going to be said. And that gives you a lot of confidence to do your job every single play, right? And then the ability to take that to the next step, right? You switch tempo, you switch how things are said. You have those hard counts. You know, I don't know how many times he drew people off sides with no fans in the stands, but it had to be unbelievable, right? And, you right. know, that, that inflection in voice, that's that's everything. And I think the one thing you missed, the coolest part, I think, was when I'm on the sidelines and we're going deep, seeing that ball go so high in the air and you know Ruggsy or uh, Aguilar are coming down with that ball, you know, that happened so many times this year where that, you know, I, I was able to be a spectator. I was on the sidelines. And the confidence you have when that ball goes deep and then you look down and you see Ruggsy just flying past the defenders or you see Aguilar, you see Darren Waller going up and making a play. Like those were the coolest things. And I feel like that's something that I know the fans miss. I know they missed seeing that ball in the air and getting a sense of our guys coming down with it. And right. that was something that was so cool for me to watch last year. One other thing as it relates to uh, to Derek, and, and you know, I see this on my timeline from time to time and fans reach out. Um, and it's like this whole notion that, he doesn't have that killer instinct, and he and you know he doesn't have that um, that 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 mean streak uh, in him, that nasty side in him. I don't know what that means necessarily. Um, I, I I don't get it. Like, uh, well, what does that mean exactly? What are you talking about exactly? But from your own perspective, um, at, along those lines, uh, what do you see in that regard as far as that? that nasty side or that, or that, you know, killer instinct from that from competitive there. drive. Yeah. I would say, uh, I would say the exact, uh, <laughs> moment where you could kind of see that nasty side or that Mamba mentality that, you know, whatever you want to call it is, you know, him doing whatever he did to his groin. Nobody knows. I don't think the trainers, I don't know who knows what, what injury that really was, but for him to come out the next week and, you know, watching that guy go through practice and, you know, just sacrificing his body. I mean, there's so many, how many games has he missed in his whole career? You know what I'm saying? Like he plays a couple. Yeah. And you know, the way that he, he commands that and needs to be on the field for his guys and needs to be on the field for this organization, you know, that's, that has something to go. And, and that's something that, you know, I think a lot of guys on our team embody. you know, you have Max Crosby, you have guys that have, have been able to, you know, wear that and, and you kind of, it fall, it trickles down. People want to be, around they want to play ball and you know having Derek finish the season the way he did after whatever was happening from that injury you know it was nasty and 
you know, he, he was not letting anybody see any weakness in him, you know, that whole week, that whole week leading up and then, you know, playing ball. So, you know, that's, that's a great example of a nasty mentality. <laughs> I mean, he's going to play by any means necessary. Absolutely. We're going to get to some calls. Uh, we got some calls lined up. Uh, Alec has been uh, nice enough to, uh, to take some calls uh, from the fans. Looking forward to that. Um, one thing, uh, and we're talking to Alec Engel, the Raiders fullback, uh, heading into his third year. Time flies, doesn't it? Uh, you're a third year, going into your third year in the NFL. Crazy to Crazy. think, right? Um, uh, and it does go by fast, so enjoy it. Um, I'll, I'll just say that. But as far as uh, in the story and what you told me yesterday is there is a belief in that locker room. And it's not, I'm not, you're not talking about coaches necessarily. They do their own thing and have their own feelings and front office. In the locker room, the 53 players and, and so on and so forth with practice squad players and all that, there is a belief, um, and you express this succinctly and emphatically, that you guys are closer than people might think uh, to being where you need to be uh, and to being a playoff team. Um, I talk about this a lot of times. Uh, the offense, and not to point any fingers at anybody, but the offense three times over the last six or seven games left the field late in games with the lead, and unfortunately, plays weren't made to keep those leads. But those are three games that could have been wins that could have put you guys at eleven and five rather than eight and eight. Um, but why do you feel like, in a nutshell, you guys are are closer and closing in, and maybe closer than people might think to being where you need to be? I think being a young guy, right, and and understanding you're going through those games, you have to learn how to lose and you have to learn how to win, and you have to learn how to learn. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the games that you're not bringing up is that Kansas City Chief game. And I think, you know, that is one of those games where if I make a couple different plays, if I have a couple different catches on the, that last drive, you know, maybe that, that clock ticks a little bit more. Maybe we win the game, we beat the Chiefs twice. And that moment of, you know, me not performing up to my level of expectation, you know, every time I put on these pads, put on that helmet, there's a level of expectation that you're going to get the absolute best out of me. And for me to not make those plays, and that, those are plays that nobody really talks about, that eats me up at night. You know, that keeps me going crazy hard in the gym. That keeps me writing goals down because I want to make those plays for the team. You have so many guys in our locker room that are like that, that want to make plays, want to, you know, make, be difference makers and make plays in the clutch, regardless of any excuses, anything that you can make, can't make. Whether you've made it before or not, you want to win the game for the team. And we have, the, we have that mentality. We, we have guys like that. And, yeah, we fell short. We underachieved. That's frustrating as hell for everybody. Sorry if I can't swear. But You're good. the fact is we got guys that are working their tails off to be better. And my first year as a Raiders player, we went 7-9 and nine and we got blown out a few times. You know, there was, there was times where we lost by 20-plus points. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of games that we were really in. And that was 7-9. and nine. Everyone says, oh, you're a young team, hit the rookie wall. Next year you go 8-8 eight and eight and you're in every single game pretty much. You know, you're, you're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs. You're playing with the Bucks till late. You're playing with the Bills. You know, the toughest teams, you know, we, we played them. The, all the teams that were in the playoffs, you know, beat some, lost some, but we were in the games. And you see that growth. You see that development. And there's still people saying we can get better. I could get better here. I could get better there. Yeah, that might not have been my fault, but I can still do better. And to have that mentality throughout a locker room, I think that is, that's gold, man. That's, 
you know, that's the mentality people have to have. And that's why people are showing up and you can go on every, every teammate's social media right now. And you, you see five, six guys working out together. They're all Raiders. You know what I'm saying? There, there's packs of guys that are finding each other that are working out with one another, keeping each other accountable. And that's just, I mean, that's, I, I don't understand, you know, the, the notion that we're so far off and, you know, we were six and three at one point and, and we fell off and guys learn from that guys learn how to get better guys learn how to make plays and you know a great off season a great week of prep a great off season prep you know that's that's going to go so far in the mentality of this organization and you know, you just hope that you know everyone's on that same page and you know it because it's competitive you know what i'm saying like you got guys in group chats you you bench this or you squat that you're sending videos and the next guy has to outdo them and the next guy's <laughs> like oh well i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that you know what i'm saying and you know, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's Pilates. It's adding little things in everyone's game. So, you know, there there's a lot of growth that wants to be made. People want to get better around here, and people want to win more games. And, you know, I don't know if that's the case in every locker room. I don't I don't know if that's everyone's offseason plans, but you know, it, there is some momentum and infectious energy around this place. Yeah, and by the way, I know Alec will never bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up. Uh, that game against the Chiefs, uh, and I remember the plays that you're talking about, uh, little flare passes uh, that, hey, that you didn't go up uh, yet. Who put the ball right on the money both those times? Is that Derek? Yeah, it was. And by the way, you were playing with two broken ribs. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know you don't want to make excuses, but that was the case in that in, in in that game. You had broken your ribs what against the Chargers maybe two weeks before. Uh, ribs don't break don't don't heal in two weeks. You were playing injured, and I know that you want to uh, own up to it. And and um, and uh, you know, uh, all due respect for you for saying that. But and I know you wouldn't mention that, but you were playing with two broken ribs. <laughs> That, that had to play a little bit of a role trying to get up and, and, and make a, a, a pass catch. Uh, but be that as it may, and those were, yeah, the, the throws were, were, were definitely there. And you guys, the offense left the lead, left the, the, the field with a minute 43 uh, with the lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, like you said, and I've been around pro sports and sports long enough to understand young teams need time to learn how to win uh, and how to make those plays when plays need to be made and and you weren't quite there last year but i'm with you i think it's closer uh than, than people might suspect we're going to go out to the raider nation listener line because we've got a bunch of callers that want to talk to alec ingold first up is nico how you doing nico nico are you there yeah i'm here okay guys speak up just a little bit yeah i'm here all right how you doing nico I'm doing well, thank you. What's your question? Uh, my question for Alex is, um, you know, first of all, I just want to let him know that he has a. If we had a 51 players like him, I think we'll go to the Super Bowl every year. I Character agree. is awesome. But my question is, uh, what what he, what does he think um, is the reason why they always bring up Derek Carr's critics every single year? Like, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. I think it's it's a responsibility of a quarterback, right? I think, you know, that's just the spearhead of a lot of people's emotions and frustrations and, you know, successes and failures. So I think it's a part of the job. And I think, you know, that's that's just the way it goes. I think that's you know, where the scapegoats happen and, and, you know, some some emotions can go right towards that guy. And, you know, I just hope that we can uh, we can all get behind a guy that, that can win some ballgames for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. And 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 like you said, uh, if you if you win those games, if you're eleven and five, all of a sudden it's a completely different uh, narrative, and it's a completely different uh, uh, situation and uh, team that you're talking about. So, and perception uh, of Derek Carr uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Ross, uh, Ross E, uh, or, or Rosie, I should say, um, uh, wants to talk to uh, Alec Ingold. How you doing, Rosie? I'm good, man. Sorry, it is Rossi. You got it right the first time. No worries. You're calling from Australia? <laughs> yeah, man. All right. I, uh, I love it. I, I love it. I, I regularly call Scott, and uh, big shout-out to Scott as well. Hopefully uh, he gets well soon. Um, Absolutely. Hey, first and foremost, from a, uh, a lifelong Raider Nation fan, thank you very much for everything you've done uh, for, for the Silver and Black over, over your time with the team. Um, the one thing I want to ask you is that there seems to be a lot of narrative. I, I don't want to talk about Derek Carr. Um, you've made your, your position clear. I actually agree with you. Let's stop the, the shenanigans. But you're hearing from a few other quarterbacks about wanting more influence on the team uh, and how to how the, the decisions are actually being made. Is that something you're seeing in the, in the silver and black locker room? And if it is something that you'd be interested in doing after uh, after you you give up the game as well, which hopefully is about another ten to fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, so the question was, you know, the decision making for plays or personnel. Like, what? I guess I need some clarification on that. Yeah. So um, putting names out there: Hopkins and, and Wilson. Uh, sorry, Deshaun Watson uh, and uh, and Russell Wilson have actually said that they want to have more impact on the decision uh, of the how the team is structured, players mm. drafting, free agency. Uh, and so I'm just just wondering, is that something you want to get into uh, once you uh, hang up the pad? Yeah, I think um, you know, I think that's something that I'm not a professional in, and you know that you're really lucky to have guys that that literally study that day and night, <laughs> sleep probably four hours a night, and understand every single player inside and out. Um, and those are the pros, right? They're, they're the pros at what they do. And you got to trust those people. Um, me personally, when I put up the pads, you know, I ho- I'm hoping that this off the field stuff really takes off, you know, helping kids and developing them in whatever the best way is. So, you know, I'm very passionate about, you know, high school age kids and, and being able to help them in financial literacy and, and all the other stuff I'm doing off the field. So, you know, if I could be a little running back coach one day at, at some high school and, you know, get impact some some kids' lives and inspire them some sort of way. I think that's that's something I'm definitely looking forward to do one ten fifteen years from now. Just like you said, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we gotta we gotta pay some bills here. Uh, Alec, are you okay with staying overboard for about ten more minutes afterward, or uh, do you got to run? Yeah, you let cool. me know. No, let's keep it All going. Right. All right, cool. Uh, you were listening to Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Imperador uh, Tequila with our special guest, uh, Alec Ingold, second year, going into his third year, fullback uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll talk to you on the other side.